0: Welcome to the Come Follow Me for You and Me podcast, a weekly podcast following the Come Follow Me lessons from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm your host, Ashley Lotton-Sanchon. I'm excited to learn and grow with you as we all learn more about following the Savior. Thanks for being here. Hi everyone. Welcome to episode 1 of the Come Follow Me for You and Me podcast. I'm excited, but also kind of nervous about this. It's like you have this, you have an idea of something to do. And then when you actually go do it, you're like, holy cow, is this a bad idea? So hopefully this isn't a bad idea. Hopefully um, I make sense in what I say. And I am, but I am, I am excited to share my insights and things I've learned from Come Follow Me as I study each week and also to learn and grow with those Who may be listening as well and maybe want to share some insights, but I'm excited to get started today. I feel like I should start with a disclaimer that I am obviously not an expert and I'm just a normal person, a normal member of the church in New York. And I live a normal life, but I uh, have a testimony of the gospel and a love of the Savior, and I just want to share that with other people. So With that, know that what I say is not church doctrine or the official stance of the church, though I do try to live my life according to the principles taught in the gospel and align uh, my life and will to the things that is taught there. So I'm obviously not, my goal is not to share any false doctrine or any crazy stuff, but just these insights are things I feel like the spirit has taught me as I've studied. So I'm excited to share with you guys some things that I've learned as I've studied this this week's lesson, and I, I know I'm not the only one that has struggled the past few months with the pandemic and all the unrest that's happening in the country, and I know I feel like I'm in need of some spiritual boost, which is one reason why I started this is because I felt like... I could use the extra immersion in the gospel, in the scriptures, in the come follow me lesson, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. And I've received great strength from listening to podcasts from other podcasters or YouTube videos from other people who also are sharing their insights from the come follow me lesson. So I've prayed that that's what this will do for whoever listens and that you will feel uplifted for a little bit, even during this weird stru- weird time. I meant to say struggle and time at the same time, but this unusual time that we're living in. But I'm excited to get started today on Alma chapter 8 um, through v- chapter 12. The lesson's titled, Jesus Christ Will Come to Redeem His People. And this is kind of weird to be starting mid-year on a podcast, but I guess better late than never, right? So, I I love I love these set of chapters in the Book of Mormon. It's exciting that we finally get to meet Amulek, and I've always really loved the story of Alma the Younger and following his conversion and what he turns out to be. So, it's fun to finally be at this point in the Book of Mormon and I don't know if you've watched the church videos that they've put out about the Book of Mormon, the new ones, the the new Book of Mormon videos that they've put out, but I really like the person that they casted as Alma the Younger and Alma, because I feel like he's one of my favorite people in the temple videos. So I was like, this is a great choice. So I was also excited to watch those videos. If you haven't watched them, you should definitely do that. But so this obviously starts in chapter eight with Alma having been teaching the people in Melik, and he has great success there, and then goes to Ammonihah, and not so much. So I feel like as I started diving into these chapters, I was instantly reminded of my mission and some struggles that I experienced there, And and I will probably share different experiences about my mission throughout the podcast because there was a lot of different experiences. And I remember as a kid, I was always, whenever someone would share stories about their mission, I was like, oh my gosh, stop talking. I just felt like sometimes it was like all they could talk about. I hope I don't come off that way, but I do feel like the mission or my mission really taught me a lot of principles. And I know I'm not the only one who feels that way. And I know I learned a lot of important, valuable lessons because of my mission, so today will be probably more on the side of sharing mission examples, just because this is a missionary side of scriptures. So, I liked in the the manual where fir- where it f- the first sentence says God's work will not fail, and I was instantly reminded of that quote that Joseph Smith gave or said that I believe went into the went- Wentworth letters, and. If I'm saying that wrong, I apologize. I'm going to go look that up after I'm saying this to make sure I am saying that right. But the standard of truth is what we called it on, on my mission. We, every day of the week as a companionship study, we would start off by reading a set of like, scriptures that we would, that I guess our mission president, I believe, is who assigned this. But he would have us recite a, like a scripture or a quote each day of the week. So like Monday, I think we would read My Purpose in... The missionary handbook or preach my gospel. I can't remember exactly which one, but this the standard of truth was one that we would recite. One of the mornings of the week, so I I loved that because the first sentence reminded me of that. And for those, I mean, I'm sure many of you know it, but for those who don't, and it's a, I feel like it's always a powerful thing to remember and to be reminded of. Anyway, but. It goes, no unhallowed hand can stop the work from progressing. Persecutions may rage, mobs may combine, armies may assemble, calumny may defame, but the truth of God will go forth boldly, boldly, nobly, and independent, till it has penetrated every continent, it visited every clime, swept every country, and sounded in every ear, till the purposes of God shall be accomplished, and the great Jehovah shall say, the work is done." And I love, love that, that quote. I have a memory on my mission where at this point I had me and my companion had another set of sisters that were living with us. And so it was the four of us would start companionship study and then we would each kind of break off into our companionships to continue the study. But we would start by reciting that day of the week's scripture or quote And this. I remember one morning we recited this. And I just felt like it was, it just struck me how powerful this thought is that nothing, nothing will stop the work from progressing until the great Jehovah shall say the work is done. And I remember that particular line and the great Jehovah shall say the work is done. Just like, I feel like it just like pierced my heart. I don't know how it's just to describe it, but I just felt so, it was such a neat, image in my mind to think about of what that day will be like when he finally says, the work is done. And like, I just, I just try, I think I just image or I imagined that in my mind, I'm like, wow, what a, fa- a powerful moment that will be. But obviously that's not our reality at this current moment. So the work is still continuing and it obviously has become a little bit different because of the pandemic and I I talked to our set of missionaries here. So we live in Ithaca, New York, and I reached out to our set of missionaries and asked them what their experience has been like so far with sharing the gospel in the pandemic. Because part of me in my mind, I'm like, what does a missionary do all day if they can't go out? And contact and tract, which I'm like first of all, they actually they're kind of lucky they don't have to go tracting all the time because I don't think I was a huge fan of tracting all the time, but I was interested to hear what their perspective has been in sharing the gospel during a time like this, and so I'm going to include the clips from the from, there's a set of elders and a set of sisters that are in our ward. And they were kind enough to share their experiences of what it's been like. And I hope that you find this enlightening as well and that you also gain a stronger testimony of how amazing the this is. That despite a pandemic where we're all quarantined to our home, even though that's thankfully lifting a little bit now, but still there's still lots of cautions in place but that the work still is continuing. So here is one of those clips.
1: Missionary work has definitely been moving along in the pandemic. We've seen plenty of miracles just in, in this area as well. Um, we aren't able, of course, to, to go outside, but the gift of technology has been a huge help for us because it's all we can do. And so being able to call lots of people and trying our best to stay focused on the Lord's purpose has brought many miracles of people who otherwise haven't been able to meet in the past because they've been too busy or they just haven't felt comfortable with the missionaries coming to their home. Um, These kind of people are the people that we've been able to teach more because a lot of the people can take a a little bit of time out of their day to have a... A short video chat or a phone call and as well we don't have to come over to their homes and so it's been a huge blessing um, for us and missionary work in general in um, the mission has been has been progressing a lot um, you know there's many missionaries who have been teaching now more than they have in their entire mission and the mission as a whole has put Over 100 people on baptismal date, just because there's so many people being prepared with the current circumstances. And so it's been a huge miracle for us to see.
0: And here is the sister missionaries' perspectives um, that are living here in Ithaca.
2: Hi, I'm Sister Gardner. And I'm Sister Olson. And we're the sister missionaries here, and we just wanted to share our testimony of how missionary work continues we've been able to see so many miracles as we've been working hard and calling individuals from our apartments and it's really amazing because we eliminate driving time and and other things like that so we're able to get more done than we ever were before it's true it's been pretty amazing uh the miracles that we have seen at first as a mission we were all pretty nervous going into um, quarantine because we're just so used to knocking on doors each day so we were pretty scared um, for what would happen, but you know we had we had faith that the Lord was going to continue preparing a way for us to accomplish His great work, and that's really the testimony that I've gained is that the Lord's work does not stop when He when He commands us to do something. He prepares a way for us to accomplish um, those things He commands us, and we've been able to find incredible people. Uh, We meet with them frequently just for 20 minutes at a time each week and people's hearts are being softened right now and there's people all over the world who who are looking for peace and comfort at this time and so really we've seen miracles all across our mission and, and we know that the Lord's work continues to move forward and we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing the elders and the sisters perspectives there. I I know I did. I felt like my mind was really opened that, that obviously there is still stuff to do, even if you're a missionary, not being able to go outside. I felt like I learned a lot and I felt the spirit as they shared their testimonies and their experiences. And I think two things stood out to me and I'd be interested to hear what stood out to those who heard that, but I guess one is that people have more time because they can do shorter shorter um meetings whether it's Zoom call or the phone call that they don't have to you know set aside as much time that it can be a lot a lot quicker and also number 2 is that because the world has been so crazy and there's been lots of turbulence and lots of just really scary things that people's hearts are being prepared and they're wanting to find peace during this this troubling time. So for me, that was a testimony that the work really is progressing and nothing really can stop the work from progressing despite a pandemic and other struggles that the nation's going through. So I felt strengthened from that. And I would be interested to hear from anyone who'd be willing to share with me through social media platforms I have, but how, what miracles you have seen with missionary work continuing during this troubling time. So yeah, if you'd be interested, if you would, yeah, if you'd be interested in that, I would be interested in hearing your stories as well. So that concludes this section. Okay, so now we're going to go to the first section in the manual called, or it's titled, My Efforts to Share the Gospel May Require Persistence and Patience. And so this is covering Alma chapter eight, which I feel like is this roller coaster of emotions for alma as a missionary and i think that every missionary or every missionary that's currently serving or a person who has served a mission could relate to the feelings of discouragement and hopelessness that alma felt and it talks about in alma chapter 8 in 14 it says that That Alma was journeying thither, being weighed down with sorrow, wading through much tribulation and anguish of soul because of the wickedness of the people who were in the city of Ammonihah. And I feel like I felt similar feelings um, on my mission. And I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about that in just uh, just a little bit. But in the manual, it asked, which verses in Alma chapter 8 increase your desire to share the gospel? And I have to admit, when I first saw that question and when I first like, reviewed the chapter, I don't know if any of them really inspired me to share the gospel because I think maybe I have PTSD for my mission <laughs> and some of this, the hard things that happened, which is possible I guess, but I, just, I think I was just instantly brought back to some hard moments and I was like, wow. That was really hard and that was really discouraging. And people sometimes are very terrible to missionaries. So but I feel like I also had a change of heart and I kinda now look at this chapter as like a sandwich. How at the beginning and in the beginning of the chapter he has this great success in um Malik and baptizes all these people, but then he goes through a really hard time, really discouraged. But then he has this great tender mercy where he meets Amulek. And first of all, the angel comes back. this the original angel who kind of called him to repentance in previous chapters. But he comes and tells him to go back to Ammonihah and to continue to preach. And, and as he goes, he meets Amulek. So he has this tender mercy and this man who strengthens him and gives him Uplift when he needs it most. So I feel like it starts really happy and really great. Has a middle of a really tough situation, and then at the end ends well. Just at least for the fact that he meets Amulek, and that Amulek's a good person to him and strengthens him and helps him to kind of be boyed. Is that the word? He helps build him up. I think you know what word I'm trying to say, but he lifts him up and. So, but as I was reading this chapter, I I'm going to share some more mission stories now, but because I feel like this is an appropriate place to do that as well. But I feel like I really related to Amulet, or excuse me, Alma, Alma, in how he felt. And I before I went on my mission, I remember as I had my had my call, and I was telling people, you know, I'm going on a mission, and those that had served. I feel like a lot of people kept telling me, oh, this is going to be really hard. And I kind of felt like they were just trying to burst my bubble of being excited. And I was like, I know, okay, I know it's going to be hard. And, but I don't think I really believed them until my first night as a missionary, my companion took me to a Walmart parking lot to go contacting. And I think it was dark when we did this. So now looking back at it, I feel like if I was in a random stranger's position and two random people approached me in the dark, I thought, I think I maybe would have reacted is very similar to how, a, well, hopefully not, hopefully I wouldn't be this mean, but hopefully, but I think I would have been nervous and scared. But I remember the first person we talked to was this woman and she just got so mad at us and just started yelling at us. And that was my first missionary experience. And I remember... I was like, I have to go to the car, like, telling my companion. I was like, I can't do this. This is so hard. I went to the car and I just cried. Like, people don't like missionaries? Like, I didn't realize that. I just always, maybe just because as a member of the church, I liked missionaries and everyone liked missionaries, but I guess I had never thought about people outside the church. What were their views about missionaries? But this woman's view was not positive. She didn't like us. And she made me cry. And I got really sad. And I was like, this is what I signed up to do for 18 months. Like this doesn't sound like it's going to be very much fun at all. And thankfully, there was a lot of also there was a lot of great people I met as well. But there was a lot of people like her that I met. And I also remember going tracting another time in another area. And we knocked on the door. And a man answered, and he said, "Just a second, and then walked away. But then he opened the door, and he let his he like sent his dog after us, who was like a pit bull. I'm pretty sure. It was, I just I guess I didn't get a super good look at him because we were running away from him. But he was angry and he was mean. And I remember this dog bit me on my thigh. I could I can still remember the feeling of his teeth in my thigh. But he didn't like puncture or scan or anything. So I attribute that to. The garments I was wearing—that they really do provide protection. So I, d- I did get a, stri- a testimony of wearing the temple garments, but there was lots of people like that too. I mean, thankfully not everyone put their dogs on us, but that man did, so that wasn't very nice of him. And, but I remember I, I struggled with feeling like I had a hard mission a lot, and I, I, I don't know why. I think when I, when I got home, I. I found myself kind of feeling discouraged that I felt like my mission was hard. And I feel like if you were to ask my mom and my dad who received letters, they would be like, yeah, Ashley had a hard mission. It was not super easy. And I, I felt discouraged about that. I felt like, why was it so hard? But I think that's just kind of also the reality of missionary work. But I remember so I was the first, I have six siblings. I was the first out of my siblings to go on a mission. And so, um, no one, none of my siblings obviously had experienced that yet, but then a few years later, my little sister decided to go. And I remember I was excited that she wanted to go. And I was like, I thought, I thought that was great. Cause I know that she was gonna be a great missionary, but I found myself wanting to protect her because I felt like she's so sweet. If anybody knows my little sister, Chelsea, she's so sweet and so kind. And I just was picturing people on my mission and how terrible they were to me. And I'm like, people are gonna be the same way to her. And it just broke my heart. And I was almost wanted to protect her from that. I didn't want her to go. And part of me didn't want her to go because I didn't want her to feel that way. I didn't want her to feel discouraged and hopeless at times. Um, but, she she went and I think that she could share some similar stories and examples, but I know that she had a great mission too. And then the same with my little brother, when he went a few, few years after that, I feel like I had the same feelings again. I was excited that he wanted to go, but I also was so, I, he's also so sweet. Anybody knows my little brother, Cody, he's like, we call him the chosen one in my family because he's the last of six kids. And I feel like he got every talent that all the rest of five of us have combined into one, plus a bazillion other ones. So, and I, he has shared some stories, a few stories with me about his mission, how people were terrible to him, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it just broke my heart. So, hope I haven't discouraged people who are listening that are not who have not served a mission yet, who are per- or who are preparing to go because it is not all hard. (laughs) There's so many wonderful things about it. And there's so many amazing things you experience and miracles. But I feel like it's also good to know that it's going to be hard. And maybe I'm terrible. And maybe parents who have children listening of potential missionaries are covering their ears or telling them to leave the room because I'm, I'm maybe discouraging you from serving. But Don't think of it that way. Just just know it's difficult, but it's also very worth it because just like this chapter, chapter eight, Alma had great success at the beginning in Malik, but then he had a really hard time. But then he also had this tender mercy. And I feel like that's kind of how life goes in and out of a mission is that you have a great experience, but sometimes it's followed by really hard things. But then it's also then followed again by really great things. So, I, I think that's just life. I think that's, you know, we read the story of Joseph Smith. He goes to pray um, to ask God what church to join. And right before he, I guess in the middle of his prayer, before he has the first vision, he Satan tries to stop him. So which was very difficult, but then he has this amazing vision. So I think that's a pattern of also the gospel and life that, preceding great miracles hard things happen and so yeah so it's it's all it's wonderful the mission I love it I will always be grateful I went but yeah that's I guess the roundabout way that was my initial feeling about chapter eight in the Book of Mormon is that I I just feel like that I I felt for Alma in verse 14 where it said he was weighed down and i think maybe what now looking back on it and thinking back on what inspired what what verses inspire me to share the gospel i guess it's maybe the whole thing which that sounds silly but it's it's not easy to work at helping to share the gospel and satan obviously doesn't want the gospel to be spread and he's doing a whole bunch right now to try to prevent that from happening. But like we mentioned earlier, that God's work will never fail. And it's amazing to be a part of people's conversion, whether you know it or not. I, I feel like I don't know if I had much of an impact on a lot of people in Florida. That's where I served, Orlando, Florida. I hope so. I hope I, I hope I did, but I don't know obviously a lot of the end results of some of the people we taught and I I feel like it's sad I I I kind of follow some of not kind of I follow some people I taught my mission and I feel like a lot of them have left the gospel which can be discouraging but that's a whole other topic a whole other story for another, another day but I I believe that this is an inspiring chapter that that God is aware of those who are trying to share the gospel, just as he was aware of Alma and his struggles. I mean, it's right when he was struggling, that's when the angel came to lift him up. And I feel like that happens for us too. And if it hasn't happened for you, I hope it does sometime that when you're struggling, you feel the influence of the Spirit to lift you up and strengthen you to keep going. And I know that there, I liked the end you know when Alma meets Amulek and Amulek is this amazing person in his life i'm going to share one more mission story for this section then we're going to conclude this section and go on to the next but i when i was reading this and it remind Amulek reminded me of a person i met on my mission and how he was just kind of he was placed in Alma's life at the exact moment when he needed him the most and I, I, like I've said, I feel like a bazillion times, a bazillion times already that I've, my mission was difficult. And I think one of the reasons it was hard for me is that I, in my first area, started struggling a lot with depression. And I, I don't know, I think it was a combination of a bazillion reasons, just a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that can go into it, but I remember feeling really down and struggling and just feeling really hopeless. And then we, there was this sister that used to go out with us all the time. She was like an awesome member. And I feel like those who have surmissions, you can think of people on your mission as well, who were just always willing to go with you when you did a member at a lesson and you just loved them and you feel like you could, you just knew that you could, if you called them, they would like drop what they were doing to come with you. And this woman was one, she was like that. And then she kind of just disappeared. And I feel like we could never get a hold of her and she never was available anymore. And it was just strange. It was strange because this is not, had not been our experience with her so far. And then she invited, her family invited us over for, I think just to share a spiritual thought one evening. And when we went over, I was, I feel like I remember being in the midst of these struggles that I had, just feeling really discouraged and really down. And like I said, hopeless. And I I didn't know at that time, I didn't know what was going on because I'd never experienced it like that before. And I felt really hopeless. Like, I don't even know how, I felt like I was going crazy. Like, I just didn't see how I would ever not feel this way again. And the sister thankfully allowed us in her home. I and mean, I think they are one, they were the ones that set up our appointment to come over. And she was sharing that she had been experiencing some severe postpartum depression and she started explaining some of her symptoms. And I felt like even though mine was not postpartum depression, it was depression. And I felt like as she was explaining it in my mind, I was like, Oh my goodness, that's exactly how I feel. And I felt so happy that I actually like, I know what's wrong with me now. I'm, I'm depressed. And I remember leaving that appointment so excited, which sounds so weird, because I. but it's because I finally realized what was wrong and that there was a hope and a treatment. And I remember calling my mission president's wife because I had been talking to her and I had called her so happy. And I was like, I'm depressed. And she have thought I was crazy, but I just remember that woman. I will always remember her as being such a huge spiritual boost in my life at that moment. And so I like in chapter eight, how that's what Amalek was to Alma. And I encourage you guys to think about those people in your life who have been those spiritual boosts to you during times that have been very difficult for you. And hopefully also another challenge is to pray that you can be that same kind of person to someone in their, in someone's life someday. So yeah, chapter eight, roller coaster of emotions for me there. (laughs) And Roller coaster of a story for you to listen to. So I apologize for that, but I feel like lots of great lessons to be taken from that chapter. Okay. Next section. This covers parts of Alma chapter nine and chapter 10, and it's titled God judges his children according to the light and knowledge they have. And I liked the paragraph that is in the lessons or the manual. So I'm just going to read that real quick, but it says when reading about the Nephites and Ammonihah or reading about the way the Nephites at Ammonihah treated the Lord's servants, it's easy to forget that they were once gospel-living and highly favored people of the Lord. In fact, part of Alma's message to the people in Ammonihah was that because they had hardened their hearts despite being so richly blessed, their state was worse than that of the Lamanites, who sinned, who sinned mostly in ignorance. And then what does this contrast teach us about how God judges his children? This is kind of a heavy section and it's kind of sobering too, because yeah, I, it's a good reminder that the more, you know, the more you'll be judged. And it makes me think of kind of self-reflect and think, how am I doing with the knowledge I've been given? Am I using it correctly? Am I just setting it aside or what am I doing? So yeah, that's, I feel like this is kind of an intense section and I don't, I, I want it to be more of a, I guess, a good self-reflection moment for everybody than a moment of, oh man, I'm not doing well. I'm going to be judged so terribly now, but I I think it's also a really good thing to always remember that we someday will be judged for our works, our thoughts, our deeds, everything that we've done, and if we've made covenants and we go against them, then we'll be judged a little bit harsher. So I feel like it's it's important to always remember that. And I, in Alma chapter 9, verse 23, I try to personalize this, which I think that's what they tell you to do, right? And the scriptures is personalize it to yourself. So I'm going to read this. I'm going to personalize it to myself, and I guess as we follow along, also personalize it to you. But this is Alma chapter 9, verse 23, and it says, And now, behold, I say unto you that if Ashley, who have received so many blessings from the hand of the Lord, should transgress contrary to the light and knowledge which she does have, I say unto you that if this be the case, that if she should fall into transgression... It would be more, it would be far more tolerable for someone else who hasn't received the same knowledge that I have, than for me. And go, I would encourage you to also apply that to yourself. But this is, I feel like a really great reminder. And I'm gonna share a mission story again, so that goes along with this. When I was on my mission, Gladys Knight. She has a, I don't know if she still does, actually. I should probably look that up. But she had, at this time, a a gospel choir. And she came to Florida and put on this big concert. And it was a big to-do. I remember it was, I feel like there was a lot of preparation, obviously. But I remember we were like, for months, we were prepared as missionaries to, you know, make sure you bring investigators. And just to be really, um, prepared for this event, And we want, they wanted it to really be a great missionary experience for people who would be attending that weren't members. So I remember going and it was really great. Um, Gladys Knight put on a great concert. Her choir was wonderful. At the end, I remember her husband, he, he stood up and started talking and he made a comment that I st- I remember kind of struck me that I've always thought about but at the end he made a comment that everyone in attendance at this concert had been taught the gospel. Cause I think in between songs they would teach different aspects of the gospel or maybe the a song went along with a gospel principle. I don't remember exactly, but I remember he made the comment that everyone who was there had now learned the truth and that they would all now be judged differently as a result. And I remember looking around like, is anybody upset about that? Because it's that's kind of intense. But it's true. It's true. So um yeah, so but that was an interesting and very bold statement on his part. So I appreciated that um that boldness that he gave. So but in the in the manual it refers to Doctrine and Covenants, section eighty two, verse three, and I like this scripture. It says for of him unto whom much is given much is required and he who sins against the greater light shall receive the greater condemnation. And I re I looked up the, um, the footnotes for three for the word required, and it goes to the mission of the Latter-day Saints, the topical guide. And so I looked that up and so what is required, it was interesting. Like, it as members of the church, it's required of us to bless others This is just a short list. You could go, I encourage you to go there and look at it. Lots, lots, a long list of scriptures of what the, of a mission of a Latter-day Saint is. And just a short summary here of some things I learned, but we are required to bless others, to share the gospel, nourish others, help establish Zion, help with the gathering of Israel, preach the gospel and provide safety. So a lot's required and pretty big stuff. And I know President Nelson is, he talks about the gathering of Israel all the time. And so for those who have been given the gospel, a lot is required of us. And I think that's also, no, I think that it's also another reason why I feel like I started this podcast is because I felt like, I mean, for one, being in a pandemic, I were not around really anybody these days. And I felt like I was like, well, what can I do to like help share the gospel? I I hope this is one way. I hope that maybe there's some people listening who aren't members of our church and feel the spirit. And maybe for those who are listening, maybe you could share it with some friends who are not, and hopefully it can uplift them. But I feel like this is one way I'm going to try to help share the gospel or help gather Israel is to share my testimony of the gospel so but I liked in also this section that it talks about as you read about the great blessings God gave the people of Nephi so in chapter 9 verses 19 through 23 it lists all these really great blessings that the God that God has gave the the people of Nephi and so I I think one thing that's it also encourages us here now is to to ponder what he has given us individually. So I think that's one thing I would encourage you to do personally and as families is to ponder the great blessings that he's that the Lord's given you. And I hope you don't mind me sharing a few of the great blessings I've been blessed with. But I'm gonna do that real quick, and then maybe this can help give you some ideas. But I would encourage you also to go to Alma chapter nine, verses 19 through 23, and to review the blessings there, because I feel like there's also some great blessings there that can apply to us. Maybe if you're, as you're trying to think about blessings, like, oh, I don't know if he's really blessed me. Go to these chapters, I mean, these verses, because I think that it will help stir up some ideas in your mind. And I'll share a little bit of some things that stood out to me in one second. But I, so it's been a good reminder for me to reflect on the blessings that I've been been blessed with but for one I think one of the biggest blessings is for maybe some people know this but when I was born I was born with a heart defect and it it's called transposition of the great vessels and so basically my heart was backwards and it's not a condition of a heart that you can survive if it's not corrected and so I had heart surgery when I was 5 days old and I'm almost 34 in a couple months and I've lived a very healthy life and I don't really think about the fact that I've had heart surgery very often in my life because it doesn't really impact me on a day-to-day basis unless when I'm pregnant which I currently am. So and it's I am considered high risk and so I think about it a lot more right now just because it's more my reality being pregnant and the doctors are always, I want to make sure that I am safe during delivery and all that. But I feel like that's one of a huge blessing is that I'm still here and that I was born, big long story, I was born the exact year I needed to be born when the exact surgery I needed to have was available. If I would have been born the year before, the surgery that I had was not in practice yet and so I would not have the quality of life I have now if I had been born then. So I feel like that's a really huge blessing And, um, I was born into a super loving family. If anybody knows my family, I think you would agree that they are the best. I have a wonderful, wonderful family. Um, I was raised in the gospel, which I find I think is a great blessing. I don't know if I, I mean, I hope I would accept it even if I had not been born into it, but it's blessed my life immensely. Um, I feel like the Lord's blessed me with faith. I feel like, I, my patriarchal blessing, it talks about me having faith, and I feel like that is a spiritual gift, and I feel really grateful to have that. Um, I feel like I've been blessed to see parts of the world. I've been to Thailand, which will still be another story for another day. But I feel like going there changed my life in a lot of ways and opened up my view. Um, he blessed me with a loving husband. And a sweet little boy, Boston, who is super, super sweet. And then another little boy on the way. So I I feel very blessed, but going to Alma chapter nine, verse 22, I feel like this one struck me because this is kind of what we're currently living, but It says, yay, after having been delivered of God out of the land of Jerusalem by the hand of the Lord, having been saved from famine and from sickness and all manner of diseases of every kind. And we're currently living through a pandemic and I, this is a prayer that we say all the time and I'm always praying is please don't let me get the COVID, please don't let me get the COVID. I know obviously this is God's will. I mean, if we do, I know some, I know members of the church have gotten it and it's been terrible but i feel like that this is one thing i'm always praying for is please help us to be safe from this disease and i know i'm sure many of you also are are praying for that same thing but that was an interesting chapter for me because i feel like that's currently what we're trying to be protected from too so but i liked how this section ended it it says why you know to ponder the blessings you've been given and what are you doing to stay true to these blessings and what changes do you feel like you need to make? I also had a question. So I guess those are two questions that I would just encourage you to think about. But I also had something in my mind pop up is, why does helping to remember our blessings help us to stay in the gospel? Like, why is it important for us to always remember our blessings? And I don't know if I know exactly the answer, but I think one idea is that we, if we remember our blessings, I think that we remember it's the Lord blessing us and it helps us to remember that he is an active member of our life and that he is intricately, intricately, right? (laughs) Involved in our life. And I think it's important for us to remember that. So great section. Loved it. I feel like I felt the spirit. I hope you guys did too, as we studied that one. Okay. So now we're on to the next section which covers Alma chapters 11 through 12. And it's titled God's plan as a plan of redemption. And I have to admit, I was a little bit stumped to feel or to know exactly what to share with this, but I had the idea because to me, I was born in the church and I feel like this is just kind of common knowledge, but I happen to be married to someone who was not born into the church and who has a different perspective of the plan of redemption. So He's been kind enough to share his story about um, conversion and le- what it was like learning about the plan of redemption. So here's Mike. Mike, take it away.
3: So I grew up as a Buddhist and parents immigrated here and they kept much of those traditions, ceremonies, and ceremonies uh, going as they moved here, and so we we were at least I I practiced along with them, and we attended temple the the Buddhist temple often and participated in ceremonies and so um, just a little bit of my background there and where I was coming from, and I I learned about the religion I knew about it, but there were some questions I had going into my junior year of high school. As I was arriving home one time and I thought to my mind as I looked at my house, Will I ever get to come home? And I use home in quotations meaning, will there ever be a home to come to in the future? Um, in an abstract sense. And as I thought that, the next question that came to my mind was, Well, if if I if if there isn't never a home to go back to, then why am I here and where where did I come from? And so, I didn't know at the time, but these questions are um, lumped in, lumped together, as the church calls it, the questions of the soul. And so, I began to ponder and search for these questions. I began looking in diff- into different Christian denominations and also um, some of the bigger faiths, like Judaism. And I just couldn't seem to find the right answer. Maybe it wasn't so much as the right answer, but as the right feeling. And um, I remember one day um, driving down the road, and I saw these two people in suits. And I didn't know at the time, but they were LDS missionaries, and so I didn't think anything of it. But then they came to my home. They knocked on my door, and before I went to answer the door, I um, obviously I couldn't see who was at the door, but I... I thought to myself, I bet it's those two two people I saw, those two persons I saw on the street that one day, and lo and behold, it was them. And it it, it uh freaked me out a little bit, but I decided to, to listen, and they gave me a Book of Mormon but never returned for uh, a follow-up. And so uh, several months later, I met some people in my high school that were LDS, and um, they invited me to... Some youth activities, and I don't remember much of what I learned at these youth activities other than just a very good feeling. And then when the missionaries taught me, um, at that time there were six discussions. And if I remember correctly, the plan of salvation I think is a little later, number discussion number four, but they drew out a, a picture of the plan of salvation, and um, it was really easy for me to see, especially. Uh, in as as a visual, but the th- I, right as I saw that plan of salvation drawn out, or the plan of redemption, I know it has several different names, but all the, those questions I had, the questions of the soul that I've been pondering for so long, had finally been answered. But not just answered, but it was a feeling of that this is right, because other faiths and other Christian denominations do have uh, their own plan, I guess. Um, but for some reason, this one really struck me. And two of the biggest parts were one, um, what we learn about in the spirit world, that those who do not have a chance to hear the gospel in this life will have that opportunity in the spirit world. And I think this, um, touched me the most, uh, touched me, not the most, but touched me, because of my family being Buddhist and knowing that they were not not antagoni- antagonistic, but they weren't supportive of me learning about the church, um, and then also other family members in the past that I knew would had never learned or heard of Jesus Christ, and so that not only taught me about um, the mercy and the great plan, but also um, just. Now, being a history professor, but looking back and learning about Christianity and history and some of the things that were um that I had learned about in the past, learn knowing that um that Christianity wasn't um, i guess lack of better words to uh, as bad as I had imagined or I had read growing up in history books. But um, the other most important part was that families could be together forever, and though at the time my family and I weren't very close, I knew for myself that I wanted a family that was different, and so knowing that uh, the gospel could give me a quote-unquote a manual on how to raise a family, but also that a family was more important than this life, I uh, it brought me great joy and happiness, and knew that this is, that this was true. So,
0: awesome, thanks. So don't don't go away quite yet, because there's another thing I wanted to get your input. So, but thank you for sharing that. Um, I f- hope that was impactful for those who heard it. I know I've always loved that story, and I feel like he, he mentioned it, but the missionaries initially dropped off the Book of Mormon and never came back. And you mentioned that in the MTC, you'd always tell... He taught the MTC, you'd always make sure the missionaries followed up again, right? Because that was not ideal missionary work to leave a Book of Mormon and never follow up again. So.
3: And also, I, I know tracting, going door-to-door, is considered one of the least effective means of finding people, but I have always been a believer of it since my own experience.
0: Because he was found through tracting. So... I think that's a great story, but I, I wanted you to stay around for a little bit because in this section, it asks, why do you, or ponder why the word redemption is is used to describe the plan? And yesterday we were talking about the difference between the words of plan of salvation and plan of redemption, and I feel like you explained it in a way that made sense, and I wondered if you could remember that. Do you remember mm-hmm. how you explained Okay, so will you share that?
3: So... This is obviously my interpretation and my thought, but when I think of the word redemption, I think of um, a moment, that moment when you decide to turn to Jesus Christ, to have faith in Him, or to use the vernacular that other Christian denominations use, is to be born again, to accept Jesus Christ into your life. Um, And I think this redemption word is also not just a singular moment, but there are many moments where we have to be redeemed again when we make mistakes in the future. But salvation, at least again, and in, in how I see it is is that final moment when we reach the judgment seat and Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ say, well done, you can now enter into the kingdom. That, that salvation, um, I see it as a that final moment where we do enter into heaven. And so that's how I, when, if we're trying to find a distinction between the two, um, and I, I know others might have a different idea, but this is just how I've been able to make sense of it in my own mind.
0: Yeah. And I feel like I, I, that's kind of been my feeling about it as I've been studying it. Cause I, and I think I found it interesting that I feel like in this chapter, you know, this is Alma and Amulek talking, and Alma had experienced that moment of conversion, of coming to Jesus Christ, and so that was my thought, is maybe that's why they use this particular word in this set of scriptures, or set of chapters, is because Alma had been redeemed of Jesus Christ. He'd had that moment of complete conversion, of when he was, you know, with the sons of Mosiah, they were fighting the church, or fighting against it, trying to take people away, and then the angel came and called him to repentance and now look what he's doing. So I just thought that was interesting choice of words and wondered if potentially that's why the word redemption is used to describe the plan in this section. But yeah, I hope everyone felt the spirit as Mike'd. Mike shared his story and I feel like he had greater insights than I had. So thank you. Okay, last and final section. You may be like, this girl will never stop talking, but I promise it's coming soon. So the last one is Alma chapter 12, verses 8 through 18. And this section is titled, If I will not harden my heart, I can receive more of the word of God. And I, I'm i a person who likes to look up the definition of words. So I looked up the word harden because I thought it was interesting. And I mean, it talks about it in... Um, in Alma chapter 12, verse 13, I know that's for sure talked about in there about hardening, but oh, and also in verse 10. So, the word harden, um, some, so it, me, it means to make or become more severe and less sym- sympathetic, and I also think it's important and helpful for me at least to know cinnamon, cinnamon, <laughs> cin- cinnamon, no, oh my gosh, synonyms, synonyms of words and some synonyms of this word are toughen, desensitize or numb. And the right when I heard the word numb, I instantly thought of my dad who is a dentist. Not that he's like a, not that he has a hard heart and he is this tough. I mean, I thought of it because he's a dentist. That's why I thought of it because he as a dentist obviously, you know, works on teeth and what's the reason why he numbs people so they don't feel the pain or feel anything when they get dental work done and so in my mind I picture a hard heart not feeling anything or not being able to feel anything and I know when I have a hard heart I feel like that's true I don't I don't feel I don't feel the spirit I feel like I just don't feel a lot of other emotions than my heart being hard and I have this also image in my mind of the Lord trying to talk to us and he's trying to send us messages. But I I just picture our hearts being hard and the messages are being like, it, I don't know, this is a weird image, like, like shot like a bow and arrow and it like hits our heart, which is harder than it falls off. And then there's like, you know, this constant, he's trying to get through to us, but we just have this, we're just like so hard to heart. It doesn't ever stick but then if we have an open heart, it's very, it's a lot easier for messages to be, to for us to feel it. And I think that you can also feel and know you've probably experienced that of what that feels like to have a hard heart versus having an open heart. But that, yeah, I like to kind of just that those images in my mind it helped me to think about this. But in Alma chapter 12, verse 9, this verse, um, it struck me that it says... Now Alma began to expound these things unto him, saying, "It is given unto many to know the mysteries of God; nevertheless, they are laid under a strict command that they shall not impart, shall not impart only according to the portion of His word which He doth grant to the, unto the children of men, according to the heed and diligence which they have given Him." And I um I I think that what struck me there is that. The Lord wants to give us the mysteries of the kingdom. He wants to tell us things and he wants us to learn, but obviously it's up to our heart and the condition of it, if it's hard or not, if we can receive more of the word of God. And I'm going to share one last mission story. But when I was on, I think I mentioned before that I served in Orlando, Florida, and the the temple was in my mission and there was a member of one of the stakes. And I think in he previously he'd been a member of the mission presidency. And he, I feel like if anybody that's listening that served with me, brother her, her- Herzog, um, I feel like it, probably everybody else had the same experience, but I feel like, I'm sorry if you hear that. My, we have cats that are running around now. So I apologize if you, you can hear that, but they, they're, this man was amazing. I feel like whenever you talked to him, it was like you'd get like a Sunday school lesson just in a brief conversation. I just feel like he was just so full of knowledge and it was, he was always so great to talk to. But he was pretty cool and did this thing called temple tours and he'd gotten the permission from the first presidency to do this. But it, the whole goal of it was as missionaries, we would bring either investigators, recent converts or people who were less active coming back to church. And he go around the outside of the temple And he would explain and talk about what happens inside the temple, obviously sharing as much as he could and just helping them to understand the purpose of temples and why we have it. Um, And also about a little bit about what goes on again, uh, appropriately, he didn't share things that he shouldn't have shared, but it was always so cool. And it was always so fun. It was something that we, as missionaries, we'd always looked forward to doing because it was just so it was just fun cuz we'd often times see other missionaries from the mission there which was also a treat but um he would yeah i said go around the outside of the temple and we talk about it and i remember he would explain that i don't remember exactly i guess if he said this specifically or if just kind of what he implied and maybe this is just also i'm interpreting or i'm like combining two different stories of the him with temple tours and something else, but he would, and you know, in a way, explain to them that what happens inside the temple is not a secret; it's sacred. And I'm sure you've heard that before too. That anyone can qualify to go to the temple. Anyone can learn what happens inside the temple. You know, anyone can go through the initiatories and the endowment and sealings, and then for themselves personally, and then also do that through proxy, that's, it's available to anyone. So it's not a secret what happens, but it is in order to get there, in order to qualify to go there, just like it talks about in verse nine, we have to give heed and diligence unto the word of the Lord. And we have to prepare ourselves to do that. So I think that was a good reminder to me just as this section's titled, if I will not harden my heart, I can receive more of the word of God that we can learn the mysteries of God. And it's up to us if we want to really. And if we are, if our hearts are hardened or if they're open to receiving it, but in Alma twelve ten through 11, it explains, um, what we obtain with a hard or not a hard heart. You know, it talks about we receive the intent that we are given the greater portion of the word until it's given unto us to know the mysteries of God until though we know, until we know them in full in verse 11, it talks about how with a hard heart, we are given the lesser portion of the word until they know nothing concerning his mysteries. And, I'm sure maybe you could think about some people you know who are once active in the church who are no longer active, and it almost seems like they've forgotten a lot of things that they've learned, and I think that maybe is the reason why, is because they are, their hearts are hardened to wanting to receive more of it, and so they are, they are losing that portion of the word that they had. And then in Alma 12, verses 13 through 14, it talks about the end result of having a hard heart. And that in for, verse 14, this is what happens if that, I think if we have a hard heart, we are not, we're not open to things, but, and I'll, I'll I'll read 14, then maybe explain. It says, for our words will condemn us, yea, all of our works will condemn us. We shall not be found spotless and our thoughts will also condemn us. And in this awful state, we shall not We shall not dare to look up to our God, and we would fain be glad if he could command the rocks and the mountains to fall upon us to hide us from his presence. And I think what's interesting to me about it is if you think about yourself, even when you have a hard heart, are you open? Like, I guess, what are your words like? What are your thoughts like? What are your actions like? I know if I think about myself personally, when my heart feels hard, when I'm angry or upset, I don't have super positive thoughts. I don't always respond, probably very Christ-like. I don't feel very loving and I don't probably do as many loving things as I should. And then, so I think that's why 14 really struck me is because depending on our heart, if we have hard hearts, we will be, I mean, that's the end result is that we will all be judged for our words, works, and our actions, and our thoughts. And so if we have a hard heart, Those will not be ideal actions, words, or thoughts. But if we have a a soft heart, then we will be more loving and we will have kinder thoughts. And um, I feel like after reading this, I feel more more motivated to try to not have a hard heart. And I think that's the, what we can do is try. We were reading today in our home church, we were reviewing last week's lesson of Alma 5 through 7. Um, and there's something that we read about how we will be judged according to the desires. And I felt like that was helpful for me to learn that I feel like I have good desires, but I don't always act on those good desires, unfortunately. So I, I, that's my goal is to try to have, to not have a hard heart. And, um, I encourage all of us to do that too. But yep, this is, I guess my thoughts for this week's lesson. I hope some of this has been helpful for you. Um, want to encourage you this, obviously if you're listening, this is you're listening to on Spotify, but to share this with friends that you may think may benefit from this. And I'm excited to learn from you guys. I have an Instagram page and a Facebook page. Um, come follow me for you and me, and I can link that in the show notes as well so that you can also go on there. And my hope is moving forward is I could potentially post some questions and get your guys' insights and then include some of those in the lessons because I know that it's I love hearing people's insights and the things that they have to share. So I hope you guys have a wonderful week and I'll see you next time.